The Internet History Podcast is brought to you by MetaLab. Their slogan is MetaLab, we make interfaces. For a decade, MetaLab has helped some of the world's top companies and entrepreneurs build products that millions of people use every day. You probably didn't realize it at the time, but the odds are you've used an app that they've helped design or build. Apps like Slack, Coinbase, Facebook Messenger, Oculus, Lonely Planet, and many more. MetaLab wants to bring their unique design philosophy to your project. Let them take your brainstorm and turn it into the next billion-dollar app, from idea sketched on the back of a napkin to a final shipped product. Check them out at metalab.co. That's metalab.co. Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Brian McCullough. Today, we've got a bit of a hybrid topic. Nando.net was not only a very early experiment in bringing journalism to the web, it was also one of those local ISPs, which we've spoken about before, which flowered in the era of the early 1990s across all of North America. Fraser Van Ash was not only one of the key players at the News and Observer, by the way, News and Observer, NNO, Nando, who brought the Nando Project to life. He is also another person who has straddled the media industry between the print and digital eras and can thus give us some amazing insights into the transitions therein or lack thereof. Please enjoy this conversation with Fraser Van Ash. Fraser Van Ash, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. Oh, you're very welcome. Glad to be here. Uh, so I um, just going on your LinkedIn profile, which is probably not the best thing in the world, but I'm I'm gonna hazard a guess that um, you might have gone to college for either art or uh, design or something like that. Am I right? Actually, it was uh, mechanical engineering. Oh my! See, you no, know, I've always been a builder, and uh, that's that's really where I got my start. And you know, it sort of worked it worked well for me as I. Uh, I sort of helped, you know, build the internet, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so how do you uh, get into the newspaper business? Well, you know, everybody needs a little beer money while they're in college. And I was at uh, NC State University in mechanical engineering school, and uh, I had a part-time job. A friend of mine from my uh, the town I grew up in was a photographer at the News and Observer locally. And he says, hey, you know, the art department's always looking for, you know, some help to do this, that, or the other. So I went in there and I was uh, doing you know layouts and blue boards and uh, where they actually had to paste up the columns of type and put the art here and there and you know we're talking about straight edges and triangles and here I am a uh, you know, engineering student so measuring column widths and all that is always perfect so it was like easy for me and easy money and and it was sort of exciting being in the news cycle too you always found out things before anybody else did because there was no internet. And uh, and then I transitioned uh, digital back. I guess it was uh, uh, what nineteen uh, ninety. No, I guess it was eighty six hmm. that uh, that uh, the guy who ran the art department came in the door with this Mac Plus, 
and it was this little computer and you know all the artists would just you know threw their arms up oh computers that's not art don't bring it over here so i said hey i'll see what it'll do so i started doing charts maps and graphs and things like that on this little mac plus and it just sort of grew through the photoshops and all that kind of stuff and i uh, uh ended up uh being the, the graphics director and then the art director there and we've done about everything we could in the art world relative to digital to that point when i sort of got tapped on the shoulder and said you know hey you know we've been doing this computer assisted reporting thing and getting access to all these databases, why don't we try and get in the mix somehow? That's when we he sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, I'd like to build this online thing. All right. I am I am I'm gonna back you up a, a whole bunch here. So yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so no no no. It, it, it's great, but it's I, I, I wanna I wanna I wanna marinate in some stuff here. So all right. Yeah. You, you're getting into the, the newspaper business in the early 80s, and as late as 1986, you can be at a major newspaper, and you're still doing it by hand with straight edges and, and, and actually pasting things onto for, for print. Um, and so right. even even at a – maybe it's not the biggest newspaper in the country, but it's it's not the smallest either – the first decent metro. Yeah, right. But so the first Mac doesn't show up till 1986. Yeah, the first right doesn't show up to in our location, but it was one of the first. A little aside from that, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I burned up the power supply in it one time doing you know a whole bunch of points on a on a map or something, and uh, had to get the technician to come in to fix it because you know it was all secret proprietary. You had to have this special wrench to even open the thing up, and he took the the hood off of it. And turned around, he was white as a sheet, looked at me. He says, you know what you got here? I said, I think I got a burned up power supply. He says, no, you got one of the first ones that came off of the, the line. And he showed me inside the mold was signed by Steve Jobs and Wozniak and all that uh, kind of stuff, so yeah. I still have, which is very cool. And I still have that upstairs. Well, it's, so uh, one of the common themes that uh, people from all sorts of generations on the show are like, uh, if you're when you're young and there's a new technology and you're like the, the the young kid that knows how to work it, like that's a lot of people said that that was their entree into their career or something. Like, uh, so is it? It was that part of the thing is like um, the fact that you uh, took to the to the you know digital uh, print and stuff like that 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 kind of put you on your path. Well, it did. Uh, you know, it was very easy. If you've ever worked in a, a, a media environment, uh, it's, it, it can be very exciting because you are the first to know things, at least back then. You were the first to know things, and it was something new every day, and you really didn't – you were creating something new every day. So that really, you know, took to my – the builder in me, and, uh, and you know, I just, you know, gravitated to uh, uh, digital – because you know it was uh, another form of building. Well, what I'm so, looking for, what I'm looking for is like the transition when, when it, when computers start to show up and people are like we can do this all with a mouse and and it's what mm. you see is what you get. Is there sort of um, almost a generational thing where maybe you know the, the traditionalists push back on it and um, but no, yeah, look at there all the was, you can do, yeah. There was quite a bit of that, you know, because I actually brought the newspaper uh, through pagination, which is computer-generated page layout from the old paste-up days as well. And there was a lot of people that sort of pushed back on that because they had to interact too much with the computers. Uh, but 
but it, it progressed right into what I was doing online, which again, I got a lot of pushback when I said, Hey, I want to make this available to everybody digitally on home computers. They were like, you're crazy. No one's going to read uh, a newspaper on a computer. No one's going to, you know, sit in front of their computer to get information. And, you know, they thought we were crazy, but I knew there was something there and a transition started. Okay. So, um, it sounds like you had, um, personal experience online, uh, before, uh, you, you started to do that, uh, for the newspaper. Well, I, I, I didn't have much, you know, the AOLs were out there. That was mm -hmm. it. AOL and prodigy and some of these closed systems. Uh, and we wanted to, you know, create an environment locally that people could access local information. Were there, and, were there BBSs you know, as well? Right. Yes, we had, it started out as a uh, major BBS, uh, Galacticom, if anybody knows it by that term. Uh, we had a couple of those pulled up and it, it held, it could, had a capacity of about 12,500 uh, 12, users at any time. So we had to bring up two of them. It was very popular. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back you up again. I'm yeah. going to back you up again. Sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, so uh, before we start about start talking about this project had there been any experimentation in the 80s early 90s with doing digital at the paper before the the nando.net uh, project begins no the only the the small uh, foray into any online data gathering or delivery was through the uh, uh computer assisted reporting that the news research department was utilizing ah, so like wire stuff yeah. Right, right. Wire stuff, accessing databases down, to, you know, government databases that were available that they for, used to have to go down physically and get on one of the government computers to access this stuff that was free. But we found a way to, to tap into these computers remotely, and that sort of clicked off everything, got everything started. Okay, so real quick, is it pronounced Nando or N-A-N-D-O? <laughs> well, Nando, Nando, okay. but it is... Uh, it is uh, made from, you know, locally the News Observer was referred to as the N&O. Right, right. And the ampersand just spelled out Gijanando. Okay, so tell me, um, and even if you weren't there, you can, from your perspective, tell me what you heard. But how, how, did, the, how did the project uh, first get started within the paper? Well, uh, Frank Daniels, the publisher of the paper, he was, he was a gadget guy. And he was, uh, he was very uh, insightful, and he was... He was a seer. He was one of the internet pioneers uh, and recognized as so during that time. But he bankrolled everything and uh, and wanted to take chances and bought us all the equipment we needed to to do what we needed to do. And actually, we were we didn't know if it was going to go anywhere. Uh, we just knew that it was exciting, and he gave us all the resources to do this. So we cobbled together what we called the Dirty Baker's Dozen. It wasn't the Dirty Dozen. There were 13 of us. And... Uh, we just started something uh, in the bulletin board world first to see if it would gain any traction. And we ended up giving away access to schools just to, you know, we, we figured that our future uh, is determined by the up and coming kids in the school systems and people get engaged with the brand at that point. So, uh, so we, we brought on quite a bit of users very early on. And uh, had our own ISP and all that, but you know, I don't know where you want me to back up because well, we don't have much time. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, the um, so the the project begins what around like ninety three, ninety four. 
Yeah, yeah, about 94. Okay, so 94 that's... 94 is where we really started getting traction on so, the, with Mando. That is pre the web being mainstream. So, like, you've mentioned BBSs mm-hmm. before. Like, so when, when Nando launches, if I'm a user that finds out about it, um, what can I see? How do I get on? Like, like, walk me through what it was at launch. Yeah, at launch, it was, it was basically a bulletin board system. It was like in 93 that we did this. And we actually created these install disks. Basically, you used to get, uh, you know, three and a half inch floppy disks that a lot of users may not remember. But uh, uh, we used to install, we used to go out to, to, to the schools and go out to uh, residences. We had what we called the Nando Doctor that would go out there and help you install to get online. We'd get your modem going and all that kind of stuff. And the, the interface was very rudimentary. It wasn't point and click at that point. It was all keyboard driven. You know, one for news, two for classifieds, three for, you know, and that type of uh, uh, terminal interface to access things. So that was really the limit of what you had. And the creative side of thing, it was like, you know, whenever I needed to do a logo or a button, it was like building with bricks. You know, I got 16 colors to deal with and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So it was very rudimentary early on, but it was useful. It was a good resource. And the schools used it uh, daily for current events and what's happening. So uh, that got you know, the school systems uh, engaged in it, uh, and they're in uh, the rest of the community. Well, I was going to say, um, so the schools, I can see, you know, uh, the newspapers coming to you and saying, hey, you've got these computers, throw a modem on there, um, the, mm-hmm. the students can access this. But what about normal folk? Like, uh, one of the things we've talked about with other people is that, like, in 93, 94, you know, AOL's struggling to get, like, half a million people. Modems aren't even really common uh, with computers. So, like, what's the uptake for the average subscriber uh, to, to the newspaper? Well, well it was, uh, it, it didn't require a subscription to the newspaper to hmm. to get this. What we did, once once we did the thing with the schools and that kind of thing, uh, we actually started an ISP, and we were a service provider where we had banks of modems that people could dial into uh, at, on our pre- pre- uh, premises. And, you know, I don't know how many we had, but we had hundreds and hundreds of these uh, these modems to dial into. And uh, the ISP, we sold access for $9.99 a month, gave you three IDs, uh, just in case you had more computers or more people in your household, and it you know, sold like hotcakes. You know, we, we happen to be, we happen to be blessed with being in a, a very techno savvy area. A lot of universities right. in the area, North Carolina state, UNC Chapel Hill, Duke, Wake Forest, you know, we've got a whole bunch. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of technical know-how and interest in what we were doing. So it was, uh, it, it really took off like wildfire here. So you said, you said nine ninety five a month, but at the time, uh, you know, AOL, Prodigy, those type, they're, they're charging by the hour. You guys weren't doing that? Nope. Nope. Flat rate, nine ninety nine a month. And three IDs. So you, so you mentioned, um, that you're essentially an ISP. So I guess, what are you, uh, giving access to things like Waze and Gopher and, and Telnet and exactly, stuff? Exactly. Like yep. Absolutely, and those are the things terms I don't think a lot of users remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, on this show, yes, that was it. Yeah, and you know that was that was right. But actually, that was some of the rudimentary processes. You know, 
FTP, go for you know, waste, all those things, these access points and things. Uh, that was really the only way to do it. And it was sort of clumsy and not always the most intuitive thing, but, you know, uh, classical conditioning, people can learn anything. Well, what about um, what about content from the newspaper? Is I, there's also news. That, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's a funny, but that's a funny one because uh, the the newsroom at the newspaper they thought the whole internet and bulletin board everything was just a fad. And like I said earlier, no one really thought that anybody was going to use their computers, sit in front of their computers to consume content. They just thought that was very alien to you know how people consumed information so they didn't want to cooperate with us so the so what we did is we tapped into all the wire uh feeds coming into the the newspaper from ap from reuters from uh, uh afp you know all these sources and we created our own newspapers and that's how the nando times and the sports server came around which is the next step you know when we got into uh the internet well before we move before we move on to the web yes. and, and the nando times uh two questions first of all uh what's what's your job initially at at, at uh nando because obviously you you're, you're doing graphics and things like that and as you mentioned it's not exactly point and click and you know pictures and things like that so what are you doing initially yeah yeah initially i was doing a lot of the coding a lot of the html i was working with uh the developers that uh that actually created some of the the scripts that that ran some of the automation, and they would, you know, there was a Java developer. You know, we started getting into interactive things that, you know, no, you know, a, a two-way play with the consumer. Uh, so, so I, I was sort of, uh, I guess, my title was creative director, but that was in you know, lack of any, uh, you know, that was the run-of-the-mill. Uh, title for somebody mm. that uh added the added the look and feel and and the usability yeah right well to, uh, er, early on they kind of sometimes don't know how to give people titles like <laughs> they figure that sort of stuff yeah, out later yeah. um the, yeah yeah that's why that's why that's why you know the they were called chief bogus looney and lord high protector you know this is what they had on their business cards you know my bosses yeah you know yeah. so there's some titles for you uh, the other question, um, and I just saw this sort of randomly, um, that um, since you're an ISP around this time, uh, this is when uh, Kevin Mitnick, the famous hacker, was running around, and he was living in, in the area at the time? Yes, he was living in Cary, a little uh, a bedroom community of Raleigh. And so um, I don't, I, if you don't know much about this story, that's fine, but... Um, Oh, so, I know a lot about it. Oh, go ahead. Because the FBI came in. <laughs> the FBI came to see us because they were, he was uh, he was using uh, some of our servers to route some of his nefarious actions. So, so uh, that we had to deliver all of our log files to the FBI, and they they used that in some of the prosecution of the case. So uh, again, this is like what ninety four, ninety five. Like <laughs> this is sort of like yeah. li living future days. The FBI shows up and says, "Hey, this this new little project that you guys are doing. There's this major hacker that we're trying to track down. Can you help us get him?" That's right. That's right. And and so so we really thought that you know, hey, we were the shit. Oh, excuse me. I don't know. That's if fine. That's, that's fine. That's fine. So so we we just thought, okay, well, we're helping the FBI now. We're somebody. People are utilizing us where we've got value for somebody, be it for good intentions or bad. But anyway, so we thought we were in the game at that point. We were very open to helping uh, 
you know, the FBI out in their their uh, their investigation, and it all sort of worked out uh, with our help. So it was it was a very interesting time. Okay, so um, then the web does come, and um, mm-hmm. you guys, it, it, it looks like mosaic you... 1.0, yay! <laughs> well, I'm going to give you credit because if what I if, if what I see is true. You guys launched the Nando Times as early as '94, so so when the web comes, that's actually pretty. You're nimble to be like, "This is the next big thing. Let's jump on it." Yeah, yeah. It was really us and uh, the Merck Center at San Jose Mercury News. You know, they were they were early on. We were sort of tit for tat with them on uh, what we were doing, and you know, at that point, you know, we're not competitors, so we talked a lot, you know, and about what each other was doing and. You know, there's not a lot of people that had browsers or had access that, you know, so it was sort of almost a closed society early on with what we were doing. Uh, so we could we could try and do anything. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a really fun time. So, again, I, I got to ask the question, um, if I when the website launches in 94 and I know about mm-hmm. it and I have a, if I have a mosaic web browser, uh, what, <laughs> what would I see? What what's what 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 greets me? Well, surprisingly enough, you're going to see not much different from what you see today. It's 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 not as uh, you know comprehensive or not as uh, uh, technical. It's got doesn't have a lot of uh, bells and whistles. But we had uh, a newspaper online that had its top story, had its all of its sections, had you know headlines and summary graphs with a picture. You know, we had button ads on there that actually turned into an IAB size. Uh, but, you know, so, so it really wasn't much different other than you didn't have quite the flexibility in, in design elements at that point, but it was uh, very much a, a web page that wouldn't seem you'd look at it today and say, well, these guys aren't that savvy, but the information is, is clean and easy to read. Uh, other takeaway. Other early uh, newspaper people I've spoken to have, have described that, like, <clears throat> trying to get the the traditional print side to, to, to give the digital side, the website, stories and things like that was sometimes a bit of a, a back and forth. Um, how, how, does, how does your paper treat, treat what the website does? Uh, they treat us like a redhead stepchild. Mm. They would mm. not cooperate because... They didn't want – we were having fun over there. You know, we were getting all the new toys. We were doing all this new cool stuff, and they felt like, you know, okay, well, we're not – they're not spending any money on us doing this. They spend all the money over here to do this little skunk works thing, and they wouldn't give us any of their content to, to actually do, do their, you know, paper justice on the web. That's why we created the Nando Times and the sports server out of national feeds, and then we had two national um, – publications online prior to, to really doing much with the local paper right so you're you're, you're going far afield because the the, the guys uh, in the next room or in the in the other building aren't playing ball with you right exactly and then you know well uh, as as we move through history and and we transition from our own products as a destination site to to managing a stable of newspapers then everybody wanted in Okay, now now I'm a professional. I'm going to run this and all that kind of stuff. So it really changed the dynamics of the, you know, the, uh, uh, I guess the advances that we 
that we were going through and the testing and you know all the R and D. What what about things um, that we would think of today, like uh, commu- not community, but you know, just the ability for for readers to comment or for feedback and things like that? Are you guys doing any of that early on? Yeah, uh, uh, there was a uh, a company. The oh shit, I should remember this. Um, but yes, we did. Uh, basically, we were working with a company, uh, uh, WaveShift was the hmm. name of the company. And basically, uh, they were a uh, predecessor to a Facebook. Hmm. You know, it was, it was community uh, uh, almost like a next door is right now, the yeah. next door communities. So it was, so they it was sort, sort of, of handled like that. They package it so that like, okay, you're serving a local community and we've got this setup that, that's mm-hmm. plug and play for that. Yeah, yeah, we had Meeting Street, which was uh, like a Match.com back then. You know, all these things were way before its time because it didn't have any user base, so it really couldn't go anywhere. And a lot of it died on the vine, but we we did a lot of those things. What about um? I, I've I've asked you about like the the journalism side playing ball, but what about the money side? Like, are you guys trying to sell ads on on the web page as well? Yeah, actually we did because when we transitioned from local because they didn't cooperate, went to these national uh, products, you know, it was appealing to the national advertisers. You know, this was a new outlet for them. It was something they could test. It wasn't going to cost them a lot of money. And uh, so we we had a, you know, advertising team that hit the Saatchi and Saatchi's and all the, uh, you know, advertising agencies in New York and L.A. and, you know, around the country. And we did our little our little uh, postage stamp like ads, you know, uh, on on their websites, and they they did quite well because you know ads were content back then because there wasn't a lot of places to go, right back right. then. So you why know, not click on websites? Yeah, why, why not right. click why and I, see where you go? <laughs> absolutely, you know, there's a there's a little guy over here in Cary that uh, it was a peanut roaster. He used to bring peanuts to the Durham Bulls stadium and to the other stadiums uh, locally. And he was one of our first advertisers and we put an advertising button on there for him. And, you know, fast forward a little bit and he's a drop shipper. Now (laughs) he's got, he's got international orders. He's got everything. He thought we were the best thing that ever happened to him. Right. So that was a great story. And, uh, you know, he used to send us peanuts, you know, every year, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was really good for the advertisers at that point because, uh, you know, it was just another place to go and see what they had. Uh, all right. So you have mentioned uh, this sort of stable of sites that you end up uh, managing. Is that, I'm assuming that's after the McClatchy merger uh, takes over. Yeah. Yeah. McClatchy uh, came in, I guess it was uh, 1995, the end of 95. And, uh, yeah, we, we continued, you know, with our, you know, at Nando, we changed the name to Nando Media to sort of say that we were a media company uh nandonet really didn't do it you know as we started moving through time but uh we did eventually decide that okay espn was going to be coming online so we really can't compete with them with the sports server you know usa today and you know all these other national uh publications are coming online we're not going to be able to outmarket them you know so McClatchy didn't have an internet operation. That's when they said, hey, let's turn this into uh, uh, an internet operation just for McClatchy and centralize 
uh, all of our resources in Raleigh and do it for everybody in the in the in the company. So, so you're so you're running right. you're running sites for all the other papers in the chain. Correct. Yeah. At that time, there were you know, at any given time, there were anywhere between fifty uh, fifteen and fifty websites that we were dealing with. We you know, we bought Knight Ritter, so we divested some, added some, so you know, it's a bunch of these papers. But the centralization was the big thing uh, early on. You know, that everybody was doing their own thing in their own site. Uh, in their own city, and uh, we didn't duplicate any resources, you know, all around the country. It took a little bit before the people in Sacramento at the at the board level were okay with, you know, the servers being on the other side of the country instead of the other side of the wall. But once they realized we were talking about milliseconds, you know, it really didn't matter at that point. Um, I'm curious, are you introducing things like what we would now call like content management systems, CMSs? If you're if you're running sites for all these papers, are you having to like reinvent the wheel every time, or do you put in place systems to to kind of plug and play? Yeah, there were yeah, it was plug and play because it was basically shared templates with the intelligence around you know where you know uh, what site you were on, you know, depending on the garnish that went with the site. But yes, we had uh, uh, we had everything uh, built in house. Uh, when we did the Nando Times and the Sports Server, we set a lot of automation up uh, to to run the wires, and then we had editors that came in there that actually edited the wires to repackage it and uh, and such for for all the papers. We did a an actual 24-hour news section for all of our papers that was the national and international news and sports that you know locally they didn't really cover very well. So and then they just flowed in their you know their feed every night that just fed their website um the uh, other other again people that i've talked to in the space from this time um ranging from even slate to actually uh you know the mercury center uh people have named two specific news events that they feel like were really impactful in terms of at the time transitioning to digital and one was the oklahoma city bombing uh, the mm-hmm. other one was um, uh, Princess Diana's death. Uh, if you don't, yeah. if you don't agree with that, uh, that's no problem. But I was just curious if you if you had uh, similar memories of those being important milestones. Absolutely do, and we did special sections on both of those. Uh, you know, we had a big uh, Princess Diana section that uh, you know it was, it was basically websites for these events that were ongoing and they always appended to. And uh, so that, that was very lucrative for us, uh, those two things, uh, even though as tragic as, you know, some of these things are, uh, you know, it's a big news event and uh, the people that could get the information quickly, you know, really, really, you know, hoarded our site. So um, essentially for the next 20 years, you're, you're managing McClatchy Interactive. Yep. Yep. That's, basically what it was and uh you know i hated when we 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 turned down the nando times because you know it was a good uh test bed for everything we were doing you know we did personalization way back then uh we had you know just just uh little things like the sports server we had a product called score which is an acronym for specially configured online readers 
which, you know, you go in there and you say, okay, I'm interested in this team, I'm interested in this player, I'm interested in this, this sport, blah, blah, blah. And you click on all these selections of what you're interested in and it delivers you back your page. So you, you can just bookmark your page that has all the places that you like to go right there. It's just like a land of links, but it was a measure of personalization that uh, was very attractive at the time. But, you know, these, these are testing things that we just didn't really have a chance to do when we got more corporate based. Well, I mean, you know, I try to avoid this. Like, the tendency is to, like, ask people like you that have th this experience from newspapers, like, oh, did the newspapers ever have a chance or something like, you know. Uh, uh, what I, uh, The way I'd actually like to frame it is almost, you know, from your, from your 20 years of being, like, right at the top of, of, of like, trying to manage this transition to digital, was mm -hmm. there ever any anything or any idea or any strategy that you would – have preferred maybe the newspaper industry try more like any any maybe any avenue that they didn't go down or didn't go down far enough that maybe you think you know we we should we should have done more of that well yeah and a lot of those things surfaced in their own products you know i already talked about the the match.com and the you know the facebooks and and those type of things that we actually did. And we could have, you know, we could have continued on those tracks and, and been a player in those spaces, you know, even locally more so in maybe the, the uh, next door paradigm when it comes to Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, I think we could have done a lot more, but you know, the history of newspapers is they're very uh, conservative and risk averse. You know, and there was uh, even in the times when the money was flowing, you know, you just held out a bucket, and just let the money fall in. You know, it, it, they were just very risk averse. And if there's something that was uncomfortable, they just wouldn't do it. So uh, there's a lot of things that I wish they would have done. I, I wish, wish they would have uh, uh, fed the beast a little more uh, because, you know, we were, you know, a, a, I guess a slim team. We didn't didn't have a lot of depth anywhere. And uh, they were averse to expanding because we weren't really a revenue center. You know, sure, we were making a little bit on the advertising, but, you know, there was not, you know, a lot of that to go around. And so they just uh, they just held back the purse strings a little bit too much to, to really do a lot of innovation. Well, you said that I think that we had at our, our, our fingertips. You said earlier, and it sort of pricked my ears up, um, something was a fad. The Internet was a fad. Like, uh, mm -hmm. do you feel like at various points that's that was sort of the thinking that, yeah, we'll we'll play with this a little bit, but it's not going to last. Yeah, that was that was definitely the thinking. It was pervasive in the newsrooms and, and elsewhere. Uh, they just never thought it was going to take off. And, you know, as much as I said, oh, yeah, this is going to change everybody's life. You know, you're going to be you know, doing e-commerce on there. You're going to be charging for things. It's going to facilitate things so quickly. And they were horrified. You think anybody is ever going to put a credit card in their computer? Are you crazy? You know, and I'm like, well, and then, so, so you see, those were kind of, you know, pushbacks I was getting before even anything right. even happened. And now they see it, you know, they'll claim that they were on board all the time and they never were. Well, what do you what do you think now when you when you see what the modern world is? And I, I you told me before we started recording that you're you're retired now. Like when when you look back at, at like you know your career basically encompasses this transition. Um, 
what do you see? I, I imagine there's some pride in, in being part of it, but um, what do you think of everything being online now? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think it's uh, it it's good, but it's like anything. It, you know, it can be uh, breached by nefarious actors, and just like anything. And you know, with with all the personal data going around now, it's 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 a challenge. But uh, I've always been uh, a proponent of access to information, and you know, it that was really what drove everything in me. Is what can we do? How can we make everything more accessible and easier to get to? And um, and you know, you had to take the, the bad that comes with it, but but it worked out pretty well, I think, for everybody for the most part. Uh, Fraser Van Esch, thank you for um, sharing uh, and adding to our perspective of the uh, the transition of uh, journalism to digital. Oh, man, I, I, yeah, I appreciate it. If you like what you've heard on this episode, please support us by subscribing to the podcast so you can get great news stories and conversations every two weeks. And please buy the book that was based on this podcast. How the Internet Happened from Netscape to the iPhone by me, Brian McCullough. Order it now wherever books are sold. How the Internet Happened.